This is a podcast where we focus on dreams. Not sweet dreams are made of this by Eurythmics. Neither Taylor Swift's wildest dreams or Super Chunk's serious jam good dreams will be discussed. Our whole episode will be about Dreamland and the International Mini Golf Summit on the podcast. I'm Tom, but also go by Mr. T. I'm a mini golf fanatic, holy moly alum, organizer with these guys, my co-hosts for the American Mini Golf Alliance, and one of your hosts for this episode. Find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more from myself and the Pink Putter at a couplefutts.com and on social media at couplefutts. And I'm Pat, co-founder of the mini golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. I'm also a holy moly alum, and as Tom alluded to, one of the AMA organizers, I'm a one-shot golf 365er, just like my co-host, made it today actually, as we just before recording. And for nearly 20 years, I've been involved in the world of competitive mini golfing, including over the past five years, worked with the World Mini Golf Sport Federation. Tonight, we're dedicating our time to talk about an upcoming mini golf experience, the International Mini Golf Summit which will tee off in just over a month from this recording in Dripping Springs, Texas. To help us out, we're bringing on a special guest, friend of the pod, Aaron Kaminsky, El Presidente. Say hi, Aaron. Oh, oh, hi. I guess this is where I should say something about myself. No, just saying hi was probably good enough. Okay, cool. You may know him from Holy Moly, O Street Mini Golf. Or some really sharp pants that you've seen on YouTube. All, all very possible places that you might have seen me, but please continue. Well, and, you know, as we've alluded to a few times, we're here to talk about the International Mini Golf Summit. And you might be asking yourself, well, why? Like, why are you doing this and how did this come about? And really, the funny thing is that it feels perfect to talk about this on the podcast because this all came about by me, Pat, and Aaron really meeting in person for the first time via Holy Moly. And as we all got to know each other and we were going out and about and meeting up at the Masters and other places to play competitive mini golf, we started thinking about, let's have like a destination meetup, maybe have some courses that are really fun, have some competitive courses where maybe some money is on the line and see what we can come up with. And we started looking through cities that had really good mini golf options. And we had been talking about it for a while during the pandemic. And it really kind of ended up falling in our laps. I went down on a pandemic road trip to Texas in January 2021 and just sort of found myself at Dreamland. We were invited there by the people that were opening up that course. It wasn't even open to the public. And they said, you won't get par on this course the first time you play. And I was like, what are you talking about? And we went out there and we got to know Steve, Brooks, Gareth, and the whole crew out there at Dreamland and played and realized right away that not only is this a group of people that have opened up a mini golf venue, but they love the game. And in talking with the owner, Steve, we're just like, well, we've kind of been looking for a place that could be a nice hub for mini golf. And we'll talk more about it later, but Dreamland's kind of perfect for it. It has too many golf courses on site and just a ton of amenities. And it's near a really cool world-class city in Austin, Texas. Austin has all sorts of cool mini golf courses around it, including the legendary Peter Pan. It has new courses opened up nearby, including Putt Pub in San Marcos. There's the World War II themed mini golf course, as well as a handful of other really cool courses in the area. And then you add Dreamland to the picture And 
it's just such a distinct venue. And so I came back to Pat and Aaron and said, hey, these people are super interested in being a hub for mini golf and want to open up their space for a tournament. What do you think? And I'm honestly just going to turn it over to both of them because the first time I went there, it was just like one of the most unique mini golf courses I'd ever played, but it was really hard to describe and I just needed to get Aaron and Pat down there. So I got them down there and I'm curious to have them both talk about their experiences because it's kind of a hard course to describe in general or hard place to describe. And Aaron, I'll let you go first because I was the last of our trio to play it. So I had the double effect of people telling me what it was like and showing it to me. So Aaron, I'll I'll let you give your first impressions. Well, I'm going to start off by doing a very bad job at describing the course. You really won't get the full effect until you're there. The end. No, but <laughs> so don't watch any of the videos we're posting that, or any of that's that. That's it. And that's and that's how we get people going. <laughs> you want to play this tournament? You have to go and see it for yourself. It's true. It is. No, and, and all kidding aside, I mean, I, I personally have not played a course similar to Dreamland. I don't know if there are many courses out there that are similar to Dreamland. Um it's, it's a large, massive complex in general, but the, the course itself it just covers so much ground. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, of Mitchell's Golf Complex in Maryland, just the monster course of how large it is. Uh, but growing up in South Jersey, especially on the Ocean City Boardwalk, there are not uh, there, there isn't one course that's similar size-wise. You're, you're, you're squished on a very small block. You try to fit 18 holes in a very small space, and, and they, they get the best bang for their buck for this, for what they're working with. But at Dreamland, I mean, for me, it's a dream. Like, like I wish I had all this land to just like jump around, frolic. Wish I got holes in ones because it's really, really tough. It's like, that's one thing. Like if you get a hole in one, God, does that feel good? Like it usually feels mm-hmm. really good, but there, man, that's memorable. So uh, I'm excited to go down on, I won't be competing, but I'm just excited to go see the course. I'm excited to see how people uh, tackle the course because with a lot of the pros, and we'll get into this, of course, um, but a lot of the pros going down there and, and how, how, how well they're, they're able to digest and, and, and I'm trying to find the words, but it's tough to describe this course, but <laughs> no, I'm just really excited to see how they, how they tackle the course. They're going to see shots that I, I wasn't even thinking of. And, uh, Regardless, it's they're, they're going to be some high scores. And I think what makes it even more distinct is the fact that most tournaments seem to happen on courses that have been around for a while. This course opened to the public literally only a year ago. Yeah. And I think important, too, as we'll get into talking about, we're, we really got two courses, you know, on, on the property that we're playing the tournament on. And I think most of our conversation is really going to be around the challenge course. I mean, we could touch on the dream course later, but like specifically on the challenge side, that point about the competitive piece. So, you know, I had seen you guys had shared videos. We did some live stuff. Obviously, you had talked it up. Part of me was a little worried because I had played very long courses. And, I, you know, Mitchell's, I think, I, I, although I haven't played it, Aaron, I've seen your guys' videos 
videos and it feels kind of this way where sometimes that is a, a detriment to the overall experience because they try to do too much with the holes and they almost treat it like mm-hmm. big golf in a way. Very true. And that, and that's one of the interesting things about here is that it is a expansive course. You, you, you put in a lot of steps going through just the challenge course, let alone both the courses and different elevation changes, almost different, you know, scenery through different parts of it. You're indoors, you're back out, you're in the sun, you're in the trees, you're back by water. So it's, it's a really nice kind of walking through you know, a walkabout almost. Um, but like, getting up and playing it and i know tom you'd you'd given me some of the tips but like a lot of the holes are pretty intuitive in terms of the general style of it and aaron you talked about a little bit it'll be really interesting to see how the pros narrow in those lanes and on some of them there's not a whole lot that you're going to be able to do it's really going to be not making the mistakes um so i was really pleased with getting down there i mean there were some holes i think like the first time up on hole three uh, on the red flag like my first putt i almost aced it and i was like all right well i know how to play that and it's it is very intuitive and i think we even saw that you see that with the public too depending on which cup they're playing it's not that hard to be in the general area of it it's going to be really hard to master that course and you know that's one of the reasons we're pushing more of the rounds you know by the end if you've made the cut you've played four rounds on that versus two rounds on the dream course and i'm really really interested to see that last round when the money truly is on the line and we would expect you know the scores of those top 10 15 to be very close because there isn't a lot of opportunity to separate yourself over only a few rounds what people start doing and the chances they start taking i think is going to be really interesting and then and the other thing about it is i think it levels the playing course or playing field for people too like if you're everyday kind of competitive mini golfer and you're looking at some of the names we'll talk about a bit who've signed up like some of the courses you know we've played in the masters for 20 years you can't get a competitive advantage over somebody who's got 20 years of experience on a course whereas here like tom said it's only been open for a year Mm -hmm. it there's not a lot of you know i think practice time even the the putters who are in the local texas area have not put in a ton of extra days practice so you've got just a good a chance of getting yourself upskilled as anybody else who's going to step on the course and i don't think we touched on it yet because it's such a, a common thing where you've been to the challenge course and you just sort of have the shorthand and talking about it with pins but it has this wild and distinct and unique flavor to it which every hole has three different pin placements that have different challenges we're doing videos and social media and we'll talk about that later that designates which pins you'll be playing so you know those in advance but this is not a common thing and it was designed by a course owner in Minnesota, oddly enough, Mike Stone, who had built a course in the same fashion up in Cross Lake. And it's oddly how this course came to be was that Steve Kuhn, the owner of Dreamland, happened upon his Dark Moon Mega Golf in Cross Lake and was like, I need this. And that's the whole story. So I guess the 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 moral to the story is, is everything mini golf starts in Minnesota. <laughs> And the multiple pins is done well too. I mean, yeah. we've again seen where that has gone wrong or, yeah. or done not as eloquently as oh, yeah. they have done here. And it's it is really interesting to see what they've put together. And we'll talk about you know the other stuff around it, but the the location, the extra stuff, 
the course, I mean, collectively, the three of us have played what <laughs> got to be 600 mini golf courses. And yeah, we could definitely say it is unique in, in what it's been put together. And I'd be remiss not to mention the other course, the dream course as well, which was also built by Mike Stone. It's a little bit more novel and kitschy, but it still has a solid putting challenge. And I think the thing that we really like about having this is A, it allows us to have two different courses being played simultaneously to break up the competitors. But on top of it, it gives a little bit of more whimsy and a course that looks a lot more familiar to someone who's played mini golf before. If you played mini golf before, you've you've kind of played a course like the dream course. It's got a little whimsy. It's got a little bit of a challenge. It's got a little bit of color and personality, and it's got some aceable putts. And I think that is a counterbalance to the challenge course with a really, really long length of it. The whole course, I believe I was told, if you walk it is about a quarter of a mile. So if you're looking at up some steps, just go play the challenge course. But the dream course is a little bit smaller in stature, but it's equally as fun. And there'll be some holes there where people can really get an opportunity to bring down their score and hopefully make that cut. But it's nice just to have two courses that are so distinct and different in one place. There's very few places in the world for mini golf where that's the case. Usually if there's more than one course, they kind of look the same, play the same, feel the same by and large. I think of the Pirates Cove courses as an example of that. They're all really nice and well done, but the difference between whatever Blackbeard's Revenge and the, you know, Captain Whoever's course, it's they're not demonstrably different um, in the way that the challenge course and the dream course is. The challenge course doesn't have any novel sort of gimme, gimmicky holes versus, you know, the dream course probably has four holes where, you know, you're hitting it through a pipe, you're hitting it through a loop, you're trying to get down a couple of different levels to try to get an ace. So uh, it's it's going to be a nice combination of courses for those people that really like a mix of those kind of experiences. One note I wanted to mention is that playing the challenge course, you really have to think about not just your first or second shot, but maybe your third, maybe your layup shot. Because getting in position on a lot of those holes is really half the battle. Um, I, there, there are a lot of obstacles, but you really have to think of where do you want your ball in your first shot? Where do you want your ball in your second shot? And hopefully you're in position if it is a par three. Um, to, to sink that on the third shot. Now, I don't know if there are any actual golfers out there that just watched the Players' Championship, but the blow-ups that could possibly happen on the challenge course, regardless of skill level, regardless how much you practice, is very very similar to hole 17 or hole 18, where it, it could get in your head. That ball could roll back down. There could be some penalty shots. And I think, Pat, you mentioned it already. That is a great equalizer for anyone who doesn't have that much experience. So I think going into that, you got to feel a little confident that anyone can make a mistake here. No one is immune to the challenge of the challenge course. And then going over to the dream course, I feel like that's moving day. You can really get some low scores you know, really get back into it. So if you, you do blow up on a hole or two on the challenge course, 
I think the dream course is where you can really make that up. Yeah. That, that challenge course, especially Saturday where you've got two rounds, one that's going to be earlier in the morning, one late morning. I mean, weather is going to play into it. I think even like hole one is so touchy, which is usually terms you use for more of the like putt putt style, like shorter aceable holes. But that's one where if you've got a really fast green after six hours in the sun, it's a lot different than a first thing in the morning green in there and seeing what those adjustments are going to be. Um, is going to be really interesting. Like you said, Aaron, there's a lot of places where I think people are going to need to think about taking a safe shot at times, or, you know, there are places on that challenge course where the best thing to do is just to tap it six inches and then, you know, go for the extra shot and not try to be a hero because you you'll turn a three into a a 10 or a nine. Mm -hmm. And and Aaron alluded to it, but I don't know that there's any course in the country where if you hit the ball a little off, you might have the ball go from 50 feet in front of you to the 50 feet back to you that you started from. I'm thinking in particular hole number one, mm-hmm. hole number 12. And then if you've seen hole number 10, it's it's a wacky jump hole that we're going to, you know, do another podcast talking about the tournament and definitely talk about the rules on that one. But that's a that's a hole that if you want to really go for it, you can get in trouble. And so you have to be really thoughtful about how you're playing some of those holes. And even some of them that, you know, we're using the hardest pin that are aceable. Pat saw me take hole number 16 on the challenge course, a bad line too many times. And I'm telling you, like some of those I was trying to like get it through an opening up a hill at an angle. And I thought, oh, I can get it up through there. And we were just goofing around. I hit that shot eight times in a row and had it come back to me. And you're like, that's got to get through. And it's like, actually, you might lay it up further behind you and be farther away to give you a straighter line in some cases, because that, you know, you can get in trouble and get stuck taking the same shot over and over and over. Yeah, that's one where I was really thinking like, you know, it's uh, for all intents and purposes, a very straight shot. And most of the time, Mm -hmm. the pros are going to be able to hit that. But that's one where if it rains, if you get, Mm -hmm. I mean, even if there's a pebble or two that you just don't see and don't clear off, like that opening is not wide at what, 25 feet away. And pretty much anywhere you go that's not through the whole the rocks is trouble. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're down in that valley. The best thing for you to do is just say, like, not be aggressive. And, but then you may look at it and we could be sitting there with three holes to play and separated by two strokes. And if somebody's in that valley, they're going to have to go for it, too. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. And I, I think your point about the two courses, I think about, you know, like a place like Putt U, it's, it's the same way. The courses are both equally challenging. And so yeah. we're giving people that mental break, that place where they could have, right, a little more whimsy, a little more chances on the ace. Um, and, you know, that is, I don't know what the score spread we can see there, but I could see somebody putting up three, four aces easily in a round over on yeah. the dream course. You know, and the contrast to, you know, us all talking about how difficult the challenge course is, I feel like it still plays like a typical miniature golf course. It's yeah. just longer. Yeah. Yep. And on top of that, I'm shocked the amount of aces that you could still get. Yep. 
like there, there are holes where it's just nearly impossible. One, like, I, I don't know, you would have to somehow chip it up, you know, 30 feet or something to just get it to sit on the uh, black pin. But I, I, I'm just, for how difficult it is, that could be a huge deciding factor as well. The mistakes, but then also someone getting an A somewhere, like, man, you could pick up two, three strokes on, you know, someone that's in front of you. And to be fair, we did take out the black pin on hole number one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually like a, aceable because of the pin we're playing. The red pin is aceable, but it's still the longest hole in probably any competitive tournament. I mean, maybe, what is it? Is it 12 or 11 that's over on Rumble? That's that long winding one might be the closest in proximity and length, but that's like all generally flat. This is like uphill and they fortunately put in like a little bit of a rougher turf coming back towards uh, the left wall, you know, when you're going uphill that the ball could stay up there. But before it was like, you know, you take some big swings at it, the ball could go 50, 60 feet uphill and then right back to you at the beginning of the course. So there's all those, but we tried to take as many of those, like people are going to literally spend all day on those holes, pin placements out of it without taking out the challenge. And, you know, we're doing two rounds on the dream course and two rounds on the challenge course the first day on April 22nd. And then on the 23rd, everybody will play the challenge course and we'll have a big cut. And I feel like you get a lot of bang for your buck for this tournament because honestly the challenge course is probably approximately like twice as big as any course so playing two rounds of that is more or less like playing the length of four rounds on any normal course again you're not going to get like the super satisfying you know ace after ace after ace but in some ways i think that will be a different experience for the other tournaments that are out there in a good way i mean like i would love to some point playing a putt-putt tournament after playing in a master's tournament just to see and watch and have that kind of experience. But those are totally different experiences than what you'll get at Dreamland too. And I'm excited that we get to present that as all three of us as sort of organizers of the AMA as our big tournament this year to show that off to the mini golf world. And I we'd kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, you know, I'd love to have Aaron and Pat sort of chime in on the rest of Dreamland, because I'd be remiss to like not talk about all of the other stuff that's there. They haven't even developed the full property of like the 80 some odd acres that are there, but what they have in place now is incredible for a mini golf venue. Yeah. I mean, so if you like pickleball, you're going <laughs> to love Dreamland. I never grew up with pickleball. I had no idea what it was. And first time going down, of course, there was a massive major pickleball event, something of like, I mean, it was on CBS Sports Network. I mean, they, they had a full film crew. The energy was electric. We might not have the same energy, granted, because miniature golf is still somewhat like regular golf, but you're going to get some great shots and people are going to cheer. But I mean, you have pickleball, you have the the bar where you can get like a, a card and just scan to get whatever beer you want, mix and match, taste everything. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a fun place to go. 
if you're not just into miniature golf. And we'll have a cocktail for the tournament too. That's like a thing that they do for their events. And I don't know if you, I don't think it was there when you were there, Aaron, but they put over by hole one and two between them, another like mini bar setup, which could be trouble. (laughs) But that could get one, two holes in. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, I mean, that was when I think about like what would be enticing to come play this tournament versus others, right? Pretty much every other tournament we've played in, the enticing factor is that there's stuff external to the course if there is even stuff external to the course i mean some of the tournaments we play in i mean no shots to to connecticut but like when you play the matterhorn tournament there ain't a whole lot else around it to do you come there to play the tournament and you go but you think of a place like myrtle beach where again the courses aren't providing you much of that extra stuff to do it's yeah we're at myrtle beach and we have all the rest of it when i came here that's what i was struck by i was like there's just a lot to do here a lot for you to be entertained by to enjoy i mean even you know dripping springs is a nice little place austin's not that far away yes we've got that as well but you could just work your way through um all the stuff here whether it's pickleball just listening to the music having some beers play disc golf in the back there or or honestly just stand there and enjoy like the scenery um it's got some of the better views and you know really the big texas sky is on display when you're playing there and i think that that's it like if you've if you're looking for excuse to come experience a bit of Texas and have a mini golf tournament, th- this is perfect. It is the only place where I have seen live music late at night and played mini golf in that kind of a setting. I saw, I was just sitting there playing the challenge course and I was being tempted to like move away for it from playing because on the main stage there was this incredible Talking Heads David Byrne cover band the night before when Aaron was there. There was a great Beatles cover band and it's like, where are you getting that? And they're getting cool talent and there's art and there's all sorts of stuff that they're hosting there. They've hosted sumo, they've hosted yoga, they've hosted UFC fight watches. I don't think they've had actual fight fights there, although some a little like dirty secret that we were told that before they moved into Dreamland number whole number six and seven go in the shed that's affectionately called fight club because i guess out in texas hill country where this is there was a fight club so there's a lot of personality to this place some of it's built in by dreamland and some of it's just by the whole atmosphere uh of being around there and so the thing i'm really excited to see frankly is a lot of mini golf courses are hosting these tournaments in their off season when there's not going to be a lot of bystanders. This is going to be in a peak season for Dreamland. The weather is going to be beautiful in April. It's going to be before their ungodly hot summers. Every Saturday that I've been there at Dreamland, it is packed. So when we're coming down, I expect to see on the last couple of holes, some big galleries. When people hear that there's a huge purse and thousands of dollars on the line for mini golf, who's not going to want to go and watch that if they're already there? And the people that go there feel game. So I think it's going to be really, really cool to see how all of that comes together. But let's let's give you a little bit more of the details and uh, the schedule. I kind of alluded to the tournament dates and those are all going to be at amaminigolf.com. We're going to post a lot about it on social media. We also are going to, for any of the competitors that are coming down early that week, 
there'll be free practice. That's on Dreamland, and they've opened up their facility to that during the day. So that's another great opportunity to get ready for it. Uh, I'll let Aaron and uh, Pat talk about some of the other stuff with the schedule, though. Okay. So from the pure competitive side that we have, it, as Tom mentioned, it's going to be Friday and Saturday. Friday is going to consist of four rounds of mini golf. We're splitting the field in half. One half is going to play the challenge course first. The other half is going to play the dream course first in the morning. We'll flip-flop for the afternoon rounds. That'll finish everybody's experience on the dream course because then we'll go into Saturday where the whole field plays one round on the challenge course. And that really is, as Aaron kind of mentioned, a moving day experience there where at the end we will have our cut for the top competitors who will play that sixth and final round, hopefully leading into an early afternoon period where we have the big galleries. There's really nice places to sit and hang out for those last few holes. Um, So that'd be great. As we back up into the week, Thursday night, you know, we expect most people to be there. That's where we'll do our kickoff party. We'll have some of the rules discussion. A lot of the stuff will be posted ahead of time so people have time to digest it and things like that. But really make a courtesy to the players before we actually all get out on the course. If there's any confusion, any questions, any last minute things that we have to go through, we'll cover there. Very likely have um, a competitive event after that leaning towards something on the hole-in-one type scale, but we'll work that out. And then, you know, moving further in the week, Tom already mentioned the practice, but Wednesday, you know, if we look at most tournaments, a lot of times by that point, a decent amount of people will be in because it'll be a full day beforehand in practice and stuff. So we're going to try to put together some sort of experience, you know, potentially some of it, like maybe a happy hour. We alluded to the, the drink in there. And then, like we said, we're only 20 minutes from some really good mini golf in downtown. So... We could have a, a Peter Pan trip or something up, but you know, a chance again to to do more than just the the wake up, go to the course, grind, go have dinner, and go to sleep, and do it all again before the tournament type schedules. Without a doubt, and um, I, I think we're missing one crucial factor that we really should be addressing. Granted, I know we want to nerd out about the course and all these fun activities, but let's be honest. People are coming for that money. True. true. $18,000 purse. 18K up for grabs. You're not going to a place where someone's played this course for two decades and knows it inside and out. No, this course has only been open for a year. You want to master this? Go down, win some money. First place is getting 5K, trickling all the way down to just at least getting your money back Mm -hmm. or some of it. But like, listen, you can get some serious cash. This is one of the biggest cash tournaments in the country for this in the year. World. That in the world, in the world, worldwide. I want to hit that that DJ button. Seriously, are you kidding me? I'm I'm so upset that I can't <laughs> try to get this money. But you can. You got to come down. And, and 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 see if you can take some cash home. And, you know, we're early in the registration that's opened up, but if you go to bit.ly slash summit, if you go to amaminigolf.com, we have lots of links to register for the summit. But the early registration, we have some of the biggest winners in mini golf in general. We have Tanner Beard, who won season two of Holy Moly, won a quarter of a million on a putt, and himself a really great putter, as well as probably one of lifetime largest winners in mini golf overall, 
Olivia Prokopova, who's won numerous Masters, U.S. Open, tournaments around the world. I don't know how much she's won, but she is one of the most winningest mini golfers in the world. Her partner, Wade, Frank Bassesi, and a ton of the Texas putters. They're some of the top 20 mini golfers really in the world. These are people that are representing the U.S. overseas. They are coming in the top 20, if not top 10, in the Masters of Mini Golf consistently. And so if you really want to face off against some of the best putters in the world on kind of even ground where, as we've said several times, not a ton of these people have had a chance to learn this course, this is a huge opportunity. And these are people from all over the entire United States. And in Olivia's case, she's uh, from the Czech Republic. So that's uh, an additional uh, international flair to it. And rumor has it, uh, it's not verified, but apparently there's a very good possibility that Wade and Olivia's child, newborn <laughs> daughter, could possibly be debuting her Menchigov career at the, the, the very young age of, I believe, one. I think she just turned one. And uh, y- you never know. I, I know... Pat has some PTSD of (laughs) Olivia when she was a child. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. But listen, you never know what you're going to expect in this tournament. And listen, they're just rumors. I can't verify anything, but you never know what's going to happen. We have seen pictures of her walking and and holding a putter. So that's pretty much all we need to know from that gene line that we're, if we're not doomed now, we will be doomed in about five or six years, which is yes, about the age Olivia was already kicking my butt on the mini golf course. So our time is limited to try to make our own moves. But I mean, I think as much as probably a lot of people listening to this are mini golf fanatics, this is a really good one to, if you want to play also like goad your golfing buddies and being like, look, this is more of a like putting challenge than, you know, through the windmill or stuff. And we've got, you know, great putters like we said tanner's going to be there and there's going to be some other you know golfer type people there and, and this is the classic like oh yeah i can go beat a bunch of mini golfers on there and you know we want to we want you guys to put up or shut up at this type of tournament yeah and similar almost to like like a pool like billiards like where you would have to like i i know i talked about it before but like like setting up your shots like all right i hit one now where am i going for here and there it's I, I think there's so much more involved uh, with strategy than you would on a typical miniature golf course where I'm just trying to make the ace go to the next hole, find my ace shot. Um, so it's fatigue's going to set in, you know, your, your, um, your mentality, like, how am I going to tackle this course? How am I going to get through this? You know, I, I missed this hole. Now I got to go and play it again. Um, the, there's, there's just going to be a lot of physical, mental fatigue, uh, I think overall, but not to discourage you that, that for me as, as a pro mini golfer, I love that. I like, I, I really try my hardest, especially like say going to the masters to like stay focused, to hit every shot, like work on my fundamentals, uh, on every hole. And, uh, it's called the challenge course for the, for a reason. So, yep. And we will have another episode a little bit later on in early April where we'll dive into really some of the particulars about rules and things. If you are going to play, get into some of the more nitty gritty technical stuff. And before we wrap up, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about 
Holy Moly Season 4 was also announced this week. So, uh, yeah, we, we've got a, a schedule in front of us. We do all this stuff leading up to the summit. And like two weeks later, we're going to be knocking out podcasts for episodes. So, uh, And don't forget to follow us on the socials. We're breaking down every hole of both courses each day. And maybe there's like, we're going to like throw in NPS, PS, PPPS, PPPPPPPS. Our socials, the AMA socials, any of O Street, Putting Penguin, um, couple of putts, all of our personal, like if you're in the world of mini golf and you don't see something about this tournament, then we have failed because we're going to just blast it everywhere. <laughs> oh, I have one more thing I forgot to mention that actually is important. We've we're obviously big fans of walkabout mini golf and they're based in Austin, Texas, and they're going to have an involvement in this as well. They're going to be down uh, at the tournament. They're already uh, sponsoring a giveaway for registration for the tournament by getting a good score on Sweetopia on the hardcore. So you can look at walkabout social media and how to enter for that. But we're really excited to be collaborating with them because we have a lot of like similar values and we'll be having other partnerships that we'll be noting in the next podcast. Which brings us to our big thoughts, mini golf. Now, we try to keep this light and try not to be political on this podcast, but it would be disingenuous of us not to acknowledge the war in Ukraine that rages as we record. We're lucky to be in a position where we can spend the past 30 or 40 minutes talking about a mini golf tournament when so many citizens on both sides are being put through hardships really that are driven by one man's lust for power. One of the reasons we love our partnership with Dreamland is that we know that they're a very inclusive and welcoming place, and they really help us to paint a picture of what a better world could be through play and friendly competition. We hope that the situation in Ukraine and many situations around the world can be resolved positively, and more around the world can be resolved positively, and more people around the world can be afforded the opportunity to focus on trivial things as the biggest part of their day. Like who's going to have to pay for ice cream at the end of a mini golf round? And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, put one ready. Boop, 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 boop. boop.